0: I want to welcome you to worship services this morning, and I'm so glad that you came to worship with us. And I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Um, We've had a great, incredible time of worship, and now our hearts are ready to hear the Word of God. So I just want to ask you is that when you saw, when you watched that video, that bumper video, so how did that make you feel? I hope it made you feel a little uncomfortable. There's some pretty tough words in there. We're starting a new series today, and this series is called They Say, He Says. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what are some of the things, the three main things that we have found out that non believers, that the world says about the church or about the Christians, those who are believers. So, with that, I want you to understand that in this room right here, we have believers, and we have some who are here still looking for the truth. We have some that are in this room that have chosen to live a different lifestyle than maybe what you or I would think that we should be living, but I just want to say to everybody in here, you all are welcome in this place. You see, you see, we're all, we're all on the same journey. We all want to know the same thing. We all want to know the truth. And so, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to ask you, will you trust me? No better yet, will you trust me? the God who is in me, because we're going to step on each other's toes. Actually, I'm going to step on your toes, <laughs> but my toes have been stepped on for the last couple of weeks as I've been preparing for this message, and now I'm going to share with you the truth of God's Word. But well, before we do that, would you turn to the person to your right and say, your pastor loves you? Would you do that? Okay. And now, I want you to turn to the left, no, the other left, Pastor Jordan, okay? Your pastor loves you. I want not you tell him that? All right. And I want you to know that I truly mean that. I truly mean that, okay? So, here we go. Probably for the last five or six months, I have been sharing with you that there was gonna be a time when God was going to ask us as a church to stand in the gap for him. How many of you remember that? In fact, it kind of started out with the words for such a time as this. I believe that today is one of those times, but it's not gonna be the only time. There are gonna be others, but this is the time when the Lord has asked us as a church as a body of believers, to stand in the gap for him. Now, if you have been driving around Wichita, you've seen this sign. And I know it just got real uncomfortable in here, okay? Just hang with me, okay? Just trust me. If you drive down Wichita or in the state of Kansas, you have seen this sign, and you know that this has to do with the issue of abortion, right? It's a very volatile subject in in our country right now. I also think that you know me well enough, you know our leadership well enough, that you knew that as a family of God that this was a subject we were gonna have to talk about, right, because we've never shied away from talking about the tough subjects. And once again, what we're after is simply one thing, and that is truth. Now the question that I hope that maybe you're asking is, okay, so Pastor Bob, so why do we have to talk about this? Here's why. Number one, our mission for Central Community Church is to know Christ and to make Him known. The Bible says it just a little bit different. It means the same thing, and it says this, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. Our responsibility is to share the gospel, and what's the gospel? It's the good news, and you know what? You go to Honduras, you go to Africa, you go to other places, and you will find churches that have been built with your finances that have the word Central Community Church on it. So that's one reason why we have to talk about it. But there's another reason. The other reason is is that God has called us as a church to be a light in the community. We have a responsibility to be a neighbor to our neighbors. And how do we do that? We follow the example of Jesus. What did Jesus do? Before Jesus many times did a miracle, what did he do? He fed them, he healed them. He did something physical in their life so that he could speak into their life after that. It was then that he began to bring the gospel. He never once pointed the finger. He always showed mercy, except to one group of people the pastors of the church. That's who Jesus had the problem with. Every Thanksgiving, what do we do? We give food out to all of those who can't have a big Thanksgiving meal. At the end of every month, what do we do? We collect food. Why? Because there are people in our community that are starving. Every second Sunday of the month, what do we do? We collect a dollar from everybody, and those dollar bills have changed people's lives for eternity all over this community. But there's one other thing that the Bible calls us to do, and it's probably what we have probably not done very well as a church. And what it is is this, God has also called us as a church to be a conscience for our nation. The state didn't come before the church. The church came before the state. And I want you to remember, and I want you just to hear me in this, is that so what does that mean, that we're to be the conscience for our nation? Here's what it means, real simple. When man's laws go against God's laws, the church is supposed to respond, to stand up, to stand firm, and to speak On God's behalf and I want to remind you that the Bible tells us if you acknowledge me before men I will acknowledge you before my Heavenly Father and so today as one of you God is asking us to stand in the gap for him so, let me explain a little bit about how we got to this point because well, actually, I'm probably sure that 90% of you probably don't know this. So, let's look at something here. Here we have three states, New York, California, and the great state of Kansas, right? I almost said Nebraska. Whoo! No one do there. In the state of Kansas, what is happening is that there are leaders who are trying to make Kansas a destination point for abortion. In fact, our abortion rates in the state of Kansas continue to rise. If you go to the abortion clinics here in Wichita, you will begin to see license plates from the state of Washington, Oregon, and way on the East Coast. The reason is, is that people can come to the state of Kansas, women can come to the state of Kansas, and they can have an abortion at any point in time in their pregnancy up to the time that that baby is born. We are quickly getting to a place where we are rivaling California and New York. Now, the question is, is how is this happening? Here's what I want you to know about this. In 2019, we had some abortion laws put in place. In 2019, there was a lawsuit brought up against an abortion law. You know what happened? It made it all the way to the Kansas Supreme Court. When the Kansas Supreme Court studied this this law, they found that in our constitution there is a place that makes it legal for abortions to happen all the way up to the time of birth so here's what i want you to understand about this you probably don't know this in 1859 when the when our constitution was written there's a, there's a statute, there's, a, there's a, an amendment, there's a, there's a line in there that allows abortion to happen. So here's what that means. Ever since that Constitution was written, no Kansan alive at this moment has a voice in the issue. No one. Now let me go one step further, okay? Right now, what's the big issue with abortion that's going on? Roe versus Wade, right? Here's what I want you to understand about this as far as the state of Kansas is concerned, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what happens with Roe v. Wade. You know why? Because we're governed by our state constitution. Some of the states around us, like Texas and Oklahoma, you've been reading, they've been stiffening their stance on abortion. You know what that's causing people to go, to do, and that's to go to Kansas to have their abortions performed. I want to share with you one other statistic that I didn't share in the first service, because it may apply to this group more than others. We all know that sex trafficking is going on, right? And I don't know if you know this, but Wichita is a big part of the hub. In fact, there's a path that comes down I-35 from Kansas City through Wichita, and it travels through Colorado, down into Texas, back around into Oklahoma, and back into Kansas. There's a reason why it circles back into Kansas. You know why? Why? because the average female who is involved in sex trafficking has two abortions every year. When they come back to Kansas, it's legal for them to get that accomplished. All right, now, so on August 2nd now, we're going to put this to a vote. And all we're simply trying to do is we're trying to change or make an amendment to the Constitution so that we now can have a say. That's why we are urging you on August 2nd to vote yes. We value them both. Now, I want to remind you of something. You know, in this last year, in fact, after we came back from COVID, we kind of changed our stance. And what I mean by that, about how we were going to say things. And one of the things that you've heard me say often is that we don't want to be a church that is known for the things that we are against. We want to be a church that's known for the things that we stand in the gap for. And my dear friends in Christ, we stand for life. Amen. Now, I want to just say something to those of you who are in here who may have had an abortion. Statistics tell us that one out of four women have an abortion. And I want to say something to you. We are not here to point the finger. And we are not here to judge you you are in a safe place. Right. Because like you, we just want to know the truth. And God has called us as a church never to point the finger, but to do one thing and one thing only. You know what that is? To love one another no matter what. You may have had an abortion, you may be divorced, you may have a problem with pornography. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God has told us, my church will show mercy. Amen. So I want, to, I want to remind you of this scripture verse here, in Psalm 139, verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You remember when Mary who was pregnant with the baby Jesus, do you remember when she got to the point to visit Elizabeth who was pregnant with John the Baptist? The Bible tells us even in her womb the spirit of God dwelt in John the Baptist. My prayer for us today is this. And I know I can see the hankies, I can see the tears. Be patient, because there's some good news coming. Stand with me out of respect for God's Word. As I read from Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrites! First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. This is God's Word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, help me to live my life so that the world will want what I have, and what I have is you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, I was in Nashville, and I was helping with a wedding there, a wedding of someone that was very near and dear to our family. So, on one of the days that I was there, I went to work out, and I went out to a workout at this Anytime Fitness, okay? I I don't go to Anytime Fitness, but I thought it was kinda cool that when I walked in, this is what I saw, judgment-free zone. Now, I knew that that's what we were gonna be talking about, that, and I thought God just gave that to me. I thought that was pretty cool. When I walked in, there was a young black man, and he was at the table or at the front desk, and he was very cordial, and he welcomed me and said, good to have you here. And then I just said, hey, before I come in and work out, I said, I wanna ask you a question. So the judgment-free zone, so what does that mean? And he looked at me and says, here's what it means. Thank you for asking. He says, if you look on that wall, you can see there's a huge paragraph that we've written about what we want our workout place to be, and here's what it means. We're not critical of anybody. We're not going to judge anybody. We're not going to judge you by the clothes that you wear. We're not going to judge you by the fact that you may heavy, you may, be, you may be light, you may be tall, you may thin, you may be muscular. We're not, not going to judge you for anything. In other words, we're not going to be critical of you. We're going to accept you just the way you are. I thought, wow, can I use that in my message? Be Be welcome. So a couple weeks ago, I was at the gym and I was working out and I was talking with, with one of my gym buddies there. And um, this is a pretty rough guy. He, he's lived life and he's had some, some rough times. As we were talking, this is what he said to me. He said, you know, Pastor Bob, I probably would have told you earlier about this, but honestly, I kind of figured you would judge me. And that kind of hurt, but he wasn't done. And he added, You know, you church guys are like that. You're good at that. Wow. So I can remember the exact machine that that he was staying on. And I looked him right in the eye. And as I looked in his eye, I could see this man had been hurt. He had been hurt deeply by the church or someone from the church at one time. And so what I did is I just kind of put my arm on his shoulder. And he said, You know, I said to him, I said, You know what? I can see why you would feel that way and I want you to know I'm sorry. And I slapped him on the back and I walked off. You should have seen the look in his eye, priceless. It was like I have now just been confronted with what I've been critical of somebody else, and they admitted that they have that issue. So my friends, this passage that we just talked about is in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and we know Jesus is talking. Why? Because it's red letters, right? And the red letters mean these are the words of Jesus. So my question for you is this. In the first two verses, what exactly does Jesus mean when he says we're not supposed to judge others? Well, let's look at this here. Here's what it says. Do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So, when you just look at this verse at face value, it appears that what it is saying is this. We are not to be critical of our world, and we are not to be critical of our world's actions. You know what's interesting about this? People who are not believers... People who have problems with the church, this is the number one thing that they like to use against us. Oh, all you're gonna do is judge me. Well, what exactly does that mean? Here's what Jesus meant by this. Don't be critical of people, especially when you don't know the facts of their heart. I love this about Jesus. Here's what Jesus is telling us. He's saying, if you're a follower of mine, there's one thing that's gonna govern and, and reign in your life and it's gonna be love. And so, if love is what you follow, if love is what you are about, then guess what? Since you don't know the motive of others, you are not going to judge them or be critical of them because you've never walked in their steps. Case in point, Lori and I are out at a restaurant, and we look over, and there's Pastor Pastor Jordan and his wife, Tandy. This is a really, really nice and expensive restaurant, okay? Okay. I look over there and I say to Lori, look who's here. He can't afford this. (laughs) I know how much he makes. No wonder they live in poverty. They don't know how to spend their money. Now, this didn't really happen, just so you know, okay? But here's the thing is. What I don't know is maybe Pastor Jordan got a gift certificate from somebody. Maybe the youth decided to pool their money and buy them a meal. How's that? Working good? All right. Pass the plate. No. You know what I mean? But here's what Jesus is saying. You don't know where they've been. You don't know what they've been through. So don't you dare try and judge their motives. Now, there's a difference between judging and discerning. People say, well, you're not supposed to judge. No, we judge by the fruit that's on the tree. But here's the thing we were reminded that is that when Jesus was confronted with a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, He never pointed the finger at her. He showed her mercy. So, why is this? What is it that we're supposed to do or not do? Here's the first thing. The first thing you and I need to realize is that I'm not God and neither are you. And I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful for that. You know what that means? That means that I need to keep my mouth shut and I need to put the best construction on everything. Here's what I mean. So, when I was growing up in the Lutheran church, we had to memorize what was called Luther's catechism. And in this catechism, not only did it have like the articles of confession and have the, the Lord's Prayer, everything that Luther did he wrote it and then he wrote there was a meaning with it. So when it comes to this question, it would be this commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And then he would explain, here's what that means. We should fear and trust, we should fear and love God that we may not defame or slander our neighbor. But defend them, speak well of them, and put the best construction on everything. That's what Jesus wants us to do. You're not God, you don't know what they've been through, so don't point the finger. Here's the second thing. What you sow, you shall reap. In other words, what Jesus is telling us is this. If you spend your time judging other people, guess what people are gonna do to you? They're gonna judge you. So if you are constantly being critical of other people, guess what? That's what you're gonna get in your life. So if you feel like people are judging you, even right now, you know what? Maybe it's because you spend your time judging a lot of other people. But you know what? There's another side to this. And the other side is this. If you show mercy to others, they will show mercy to you. Isn't that what we want? If you want people to show mercy to you, then show mercy to them. Isn't it true that we know that God works in two ways? Number one, he is a just and a holy God, or he is a, and he's a merciful God, right? Okay, now think about this. How many of you have ever done this? A guy goes flying through a red light, and the first thing that comes to your mouth is this. Where's a cop when you need him? that guy, I hope he gets caught. And then we justify it. Somebody could lose their life because of that. And then I do it. Do you think I want God to judge me, to show me justice? Oh, no. I'm saying, oh, dear Lord, please show me mercy. Please don't let anybody see me. I didn't mean to do it. Right? And that's what the Bible is teaching us. What you sow That's also what you're going to reap. When we judge others, we don't look like Christ. All right, now, look at this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I don't ever want you to forget this, so I'm going to do something that's absolutely ridiculous. Okay? And this is the picture that I want you to have in mind as we're going through these next two verses. Okay? Are you ready? <laughs> hey, Lori. Can I help you with that speck in your eye? Or, hey Keith, hey can I help you with that speck in your eye? Okay now, I know I look absolutely ridiculous and for somebody who just tuned in, who knows what they're seeing on TV, right? Okay. But here's what I want you to understand and what I want you to know. There's two things that we learn from this that Jesus wants us to understand. Here's the first thing. The speck in your eye, the speck of sawdust in your eye, and the plank in my eye are both made of the same substance. The speck of sawdust and the plank are made of the same substance. Here's the second thing. Here's what's the difference. The plank in my eye affects the way I look at you. Right? This plank that I have in my eye impacts the way I look at you. Here's what I mean. That speck of sawdust in your eye That substance in your eye I recognize. You know why? Because I have the same problem in my life. Does that make sense? You see, I don't know about you, but I'm really good at pointing out sin in other people's lives. You know why? because most of the time, the sins that I'm pointing out in other people's lives are the sins that I deal with and struggle with. Here's my point. How many of you remember King David? King David was a man after God's own heart, right? You remember that a prophet by the name of Nathan came to see him. Remember what, Nathan, what David had just done? He had just had, a, he had, had an adulterous affair with, with Bathsheba, and he had her husband Uriah killed. He's probably not feeling too good right now. And Nathan comes to him and goes, hey, David. He goes, can I just share with you something? Sure, Nathan. Tell me what it is. There's this rich guy who has all these sheep. I think there's thousands of them. And he's coming through our land. When he got up on the hill at, oh, Jed's place, you know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, Jed just has one lamb. It's just a ewe. It's, it's a female sheep, right? You know the lamb. Oh, yeah, he loves that sheep. He even sleeps with that sheep. Yeah. He goes, David, you know what that rich, that rich shepherd did, that rich man, you know what he did? He had all those sheep, and you know what he did? He took that ewe lamb, and he had it slaughtered. David was furious, wasn't he? You remember what he said? Death to that man. Now, here's what I want you to understand. You know what the punishment would have been, according to the law, for that lamb who was slaughtered? That you would just repay it fourfold. That's it. So, why in the world did David want that man to die because he dealt with the same issues? We tend to judge people, and sometimes we are very hard on them because it's the same issues that we are dealing with in our lives. Those sins, that guilt, it's because of something in our life that we've done or committed. So what are we supposed to do? Here comes the good news. I brought with me something else, okay? It's a cord. Actually it's supposed to be a scarlet cord. Maybe more crimson or whatever, but you get the point. All right. When you see this, there ought to be something that ought to come to your mind right away. It's a story in the Old Testament. You starting to remember it? What happened? The spies had gone in to check out Jericho, and there was a woman who had hid the spies. Remember that? She hid them up on the roof. And so the woman said, "I know your God. We've heard about His reputation." And I don't want to die with my, I don't want my family to die. So here's what the spy said. You bring your family into your room, and outside of the wall of your window, you hang a scarlet cord. And that's how we will know. And then they even went as far to say as that if we don't see that scarlet cord, we are not responsible for the death of your family, you are. So here's what I want you to understand. This scarlet cord represents salvation. Here's what I mean. The crimson, the scarlet, I should say, represents the blood of Jesus. If there's no blood of Jesus shed, there's no forgiveness. And if there's no forgiveness, there's no salvation, right? Now watch this. How do you make this scarlet cord white again? So I Googled it, and you know what? you can't. If it's dyed correctly and it's in every single fiber in this cord, you cannot make it white. The only way you could change the color would be to dye it another color. How many of you are familiar with this verse? Though your sins are as scarlet, Jesus says, I will make them white as snow. So here's my question for you. If your sin is scarlet, how does Jesus make them white again? If you can't undie, how can Jesus make your sins white again? Here's what I want you to hear. The only way you can alter the sin in your life is you have to change your past. Right? The only way that you can get rid of your guilt, the only way that you can wipe out your sin, you have to change your past. What's the first miracle that Jesus did in the Bible? Remember what it was? Where did it happen? It happened at where? The wedding, right? And what was the miracle? Jesus changed the water to wine. Now, listen very carefully to this, and especially you young people. Wine cannot be wine unless it is aged. Wine can never be wine unless it is aged. So, when Jesus changed the water into wine, he had to change the past and give it a new age. I want you to think about that for a moment. The only way that this scarlet could become white, the only way that that water could become wine is that it had to have its past altered, and Jesus gave it a new future. Now here comes the good news. Don't you know then, if Jesus can change the past and give it a new past, then why couldn't that same Jesus remove a past that had a past? Do you understand where I'm going with this? Jesus took a a place where there was no past, and He gave it a past. And in our lives, Jesus took our past, and He gave us a new past. Here's what I want you to hear. Your sins. That guilt that has continued to creep into your life. You know those words that Satan uses over and over again to get you back and get you down whenever you begin moving forward for the Lord. Here's what you need to understand about that. When Jesus died on the cross, his blood changed your past, and it altered your reality. So here's what that means. It means that that sin that you've been struggling with for all of these years, that guilt that Satan keeps bringing up to you, here's what it means. Jesus changed your past. He altered it. You have a new reality. What's the new reality? It never happened. Do you understand that? So listen, listen to me. When I heard this, when I understood this, I began to weep. Because just like you, I got stuff in my past. And it's not just that Jesus just covered over my sin. He went back and he changed it. So, that's why when the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, I remember your sin no more. How can you do that? Because it never happened by the blood of Jesus. When we judge others, with whatever it is that they're going through, when we judge others, we judge them and become critical of them because of the stuff that we're dealing with in our lives And what Jesus is saying is this. It's not there anymore. And this means just not your past, but your future. Every sin, Jesus changes the reality of it so that it's like it never occurred. We've been talking about this abortion thing. I need you just to hear my heart for a second. I don't care about these laws. You know what I want? I want changed hearts. That's what we're after. It's not about that we can point to a certain law. No, what we wanna do is we wanna share with them the love of Christ. And can I just ask you, can you think of anybody in the world who wouldn't wanna hear this story and know that whatever it is has been haunting them Jesus went back. He altered that reality. And the reality now is that it never happened. The other good part about this is that for some of you, maybe that have had an abortion, you know what I want you to know something? There's a baby waiting for you in heaven. And Jesus doesn't point the finger at you and neither do we because we got our own stuff to deal with. Amen? And so my prayer is that today that you understand the importance when the world tells us you're judgmental, you're hypocritical, whatever. You know what? They're right. Just say, yeah, you're right. But here's one thing we know. The difference maker is that because I know who Jesus is and I know what he did for me, and he altered my past so that it's not even there, and that's what I wanna share with you. And then we don't have to worry about change laws, because we'll have transformed hearts.